We've got some Hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more about how to turn your content into profit, go to contentisprofit.com. That's right, guys. Today, how to build profitable advertising funnels. Ooh, this is like juicy, juicy stuff. This is good stuff, guys. If you have an offer, you want to monetize what you're doing, this is the episode for you. I love it. So before we get started, guys, please go ahead and subscribe to the Content is Profit podcast. Hit smash that subscribe button so you know exactly when these episodes come out. And please remember to follow us on social media at BizBrosco. We're happy to have those content conversations every single time. That's right, guys. And if you find this content impactful, right that he you find it meaningful and you think it's gonna help others please don't forget to share it and leave us a review all right so it all started with an ad you know we went through facebook when all of a sudden our guest popped up hmm another ad of someone selling funnels we said to ourselves but it wasn't just another ad of someone selling funnels suddenly he started popping up everywhere ads facebook youtube instagram and others podcasts his face was everywhere that's when we knew he was the real deal it wasn't until january when we saw an opportunity to swoop in and catch our attention or guest attention so we did just that we flooded his dms with messages video messages so we could meet a funnel hacking live After messaging back and forth and finally getting used to his Scottish accent, we failed, guys. We didn't get to meet him in person, but our hope never vanished. At his young age, he has achieved some incredible milestones. He manages over $1 million in Facebook ads per year. He's an official Facebook marketing partner. He helps hundreds of businesses in his academy, but most importantly, he recently got engaged. That's awesome, guys. A big round of applause. Please welcome the profitable advertising funnel builder, funnel academy show host, the Scottish king of marketing, and soon-to-be husband, Mr. Gavin Bale! Welcome, Gavin! What introduction that is. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. We are so excited. I'm pumped up, man. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, I know with the with the time difference, you know, it took a little bit of a second to coordinate our live stream, but I was so happy when we finally got to find the time to do this, man. So welcome, welcome again to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's exciting. That was that was some intro. I'm gonna have to up my intro game, my podcast. Hey, like my brother said, right? Like we are trying. This is a digital stage, so we want you to feel like you're coming on in here, and you're gonna. I mean, we we know for a fact you're gonna deliver a bunch of value. So we want people to get all hyped up and ready to to receive all that information. Love it. That's awesome. So so Gavin, why don't you like share with us a little bit? You know. Uh, how did you get started with this online marketing thing, content creation, funnel, sales? Like who who was Gavin before all this and and how do you get wrapped up into this this whole new world? Yeah, great question. So I think it it all really starts I mean it starts the traditional entrepreneurial story going back to like when I was 14. I think that was when I when I was 14 was when I built my first website. And um, that was it's kind of funny now because it feels like it's come full circle is everybody just drop shipping now and that's what i did when i was 14 i used to sell random stuff on ebay and awesome. um you know going out and trying to find drop shipping suppliers and stuff never making a whole lot of money but like started that entrepreneurial yeah. symptoms if, if you will but it, i guess it kind of got serious maybe when i was 16 17 18 that kind of age and i, I set up a company it was a corporate well-being business where I was putting health professionals, personal trainers, nutritionists, etc., into corporate environments to run fitness sessions with their staff. So kind of with the mantra of if you have healthy, happy staff, then that staff, those staff members will stay with you for longer uh, and you're not going to be wasting money in recruitment. But what I came to realize with that business was I actually didn't own a corporate well-being business. I was kind of like a... Uh, uh, 
almost a manager, a middleman for these personal trainers and nutritionists because I was yeah. building relationships with them and then finding businesses to place them into. And when I realized that that was the relationship I had, I started looking at the marketing of these personal trainers and the nutritionists. And I realized that they were typically really bad at marketing, <laughs> like personal trainers, and still are really typically bad at marketing. You know, yeah. they're trying to go after maybe a 50-year-old businessman that wants to lose a little bit of weight, but their Instagram page is six-pack abs and broccoli. It's like the message <laughs> just doesn't resonate. Yeah, I love it. And so I decided, well, actually, the marketing side of things is kind of fun. I'm going to get into that. And I started um, managing the social media accounts of personal trainers, quickly turned into uh, the social media accounts of, you know, just businesses as, a, as general. And then a couple of clients asked me to run ads for them on Facebook. At this moment, at this time, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea, you know, how to do it. And I was like, I was upfront. I said, you know, I'm not an advertising guy, but I'll do it for you. Yeah. And I did it. I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it because when you're doing social media management, what happens is you're judged based on how many posts you do for somebody. So it's like we want to do five posts a week for on your Facebook. When you run ads for somebody, it's are we making money or are we not making money back on our investment? And I really like that. And I, I saw that there was nobody at the time in the UK that was like the go-to person for Facebook ads. This would have been maybe five or so years ago. And I was like, right, that is who I'm going to be. I'm going to try and become the go-to person for Facebook ads in the UK. And that started me on the journey of content marketing um, and slowly but surely the, the business has grown. First of all, starting with the agency. And as you say, we now manage over a million a year. Uh, we're now official Facebook marketing partner. And last year we launched the Funnel Academy, which is kind of a a product for businesses that maybe can't afford to work with us as a, an agency and we, we teach them how to do it themselves. So it's been a fun ride. Wow. <laughs> it does sound like a fun ride. Yeah, for sure. Um, that is very exciting. I love it. You know, like you clearly, I think it has meant to be that you're an entrepreneur, you know, you got that bug pretty early on in your life. And what I like about this is the, the, the trials that you have been in, right? Like you have tried everything and If it doesn't work, you are more than willing to move on, right? And some people, they might be stuck in that stage where, where they are telling themselves, oh, this is not working, but I have to make it work. And sometimes I, I guess you get to move in, in a different direction, right? And I know you're familiar familiar with Tom Bilyeu because he was a funnel hacking live. Yeah. And he has a saying that he says, it's better to move 100 miles an hour in the wrong dire direction mm -hmm. than sta standing still. Right. And I see that in your story all the time, you know, I mean, not, not necessarily that you were going in the wrong direction, but you were having all these lessons throughout your journey, which is awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I really loved uh, that you mentioned there is like, hey, you dove in head first, right, to like, hey, an opportunity, right? Sometimes uh, in this online world, like we, we get consumed by yeah. learning, 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 learning and never kind of implementing. And uh, you took that opportunity when when you saw the Facebook ads and you dove in and, and you mentioned, I didn't really know what I was doing, but then you started measuring those results and things started to happen. So for those listening, please like take Take uh, advice from from Gavin here and uh, dive in in what you're doing, especially if it's content or ads or or funnels, and and try things out. You know, so Gavin, after you you mentioned that the funnel agency, right? Um, we often talk about how do you connect your content to the profit, right? And and we said a sales process, right? So. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your academy and how you guys are currently helping your clients to connect the dots, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I actually have a, I think, a, a kind of backstory to all of this, which is my own individual story, which is when right. I first started creating content for my business to try and build my audience and turn that con that content into profit. I, um, I was doing a, like a weekly vlog, so a, week, a day in the life or a week in the life of an entrepreneur. And one of the t one, it got to one weekend that I thought, you know what, maybe quite fun to film my weekend this weekend rather than showing the business aspect of things. And when I filmed that weekend, I was going hiking in Scotland. And that hiking video got picked up by uh, some of the news here in Scotland. And it went massive. I think I got, on average, I was getting, you know, maybe a thousand, two thousand views on my videos a week. And then they picked up this video and it got something like 25, 30,000 views. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Let's yeah. do some more outdoor Scottish content. <laughs> and for about a year or two, 
although I still had the business, I was doing all of this outdoor Scottish-based content. And we got to a point where, on average, I was getting about 50,000 views a week on Facebook. I think the, wow. the most popular video had about 350,000 views, and I was just obsessed with getting these views, yeah. getting engagement. And this is all organic, by the way. Amazing. But what, what came to, I came to this massive realization at the end of 2018 where I was like, okay, this is cool. I've built a big audience, yeah. but this audience is all like old American grannies that love Scotland <laughs> and they have no interest in buying from me whatsoever. Yeah. And I was like, and I just had this massive epiphany moment. I had to do a big U-turn and be like, I need to cut the Scottish stuff and go back to the business because although the business content um, although I still had the business in the background, business was growing, business was going well, perception is reality when it comes to the content that you put out there. And people saw me as the outdoor Scottish guy. They didn't see me as the guy that could help them with their ads and their, and their business. So I thought I'd share that story because I, I'd like built this audience producing this content, but it did not lead to the profit whatsoever. Um, so now like kind of with that in mind, when I work with businesses, when we work with clients, you know, inside the academy, we have a, a course that's dedicated to content creation and building an audience. We always we always like to start with, you know, what are the biggest problems that your customers have right now? And how can we simply just solve those problems in the content that you have? Yeah. So the, you know, the quickest and easiest content strategy that we get our clients to start with, especially if they're not very comfortable on video is, what questions are you asked most often as a business? So if you're a chiropractor, what questions do you get asked all the time? Is it how much does this treatment cost? Is it, um, you know, is this covered by insurance? And just answer those questions on video. And that will start the formation of, of your content and your, and your audience building. Because if people are phoning you all the time answering these questions, asking these questions, by you taking and by you answering that question in video, one, you can get it in front of them before they even ask you. And two, it relieves the stress on your sales team or you because people aren't asking you these questions anymore. They're already sold to you. Yeah. So that's kind of um, the approach that we take, especially in the initial stages of when we work with clients and they're maybe not so uh, into the whole video thing or content thing yet. Yeah, I love this. I mean, especially the part of you're pretty much pre-framing, right? Pre-framing all these people that come into your business. So again, like you said, put less stress on your salespeople. They're not asking these questions again. Um, but I, what I love the most is that story you told. Yeah, that, and was, because we, yeah, that was awesome because we, we talk a lot about that dream audience, right? Like what is that person that is spending money already that you know it can be your, your customer? And, and I love that because you were putting your focus and you were uh, being guided by these views metrics, right? Which like at first, I, I feel like everybody get, getting into the social media game they let themselves be carried away a little bit by those metrics. It's like, oh, look at all these views I got. It's like, okay, but like, how, how is that helping out your business, right? How is that actually helping out your business? And, and the fact that you came to that realization, right, that epiphany is absolutely amazing because you were like, okay, like these grannies that are looking me, you know, <laughs> uh, like hiking in Scotland, like they're not going to be, uh, they're, they're probably not business owners. They're trying to look to improve their their funnels and all that stuff so that being said i have a question to you regardless of like how do you find that that dream audience you know how, how do you tell the people that you work with um this is your 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 dream audience right because because we know we have the call audience that they have no idea of the problem or solution warm and hot but the dream audience are the people that are ready to spend like how do you find those people yeah so i think first and foremost it's it's working with our clients to say like who who do you actually want to work with here because if you, if you don't have a clear understanding on you know who you're trying to work with then you're never going to be able to create content that speaks to their language and what what we do is we go through what i call the the pvr method which is that pvr stands for problem vehicle results so what problems first first of all who, who's your customer from a demographical and psychographic perspective so where do they live, how much they earn, et cetera. And then list out all of the problems that they have and go deep into the problems that they have. And I think Russell talks about in, in this book, actually, is um, <laughs> he talks about moving away from pain and towards pleasure. P yeah. pay, um, problems and results, kind of the same, same idea. You know, what problems do they have? 
What results are they trying to seek? And then how is your thing, whether it's your content, your product, your service, the vehicle that gets them from A to B? Yeah. So when we understand who our customer is, and, and the easiest way I feel to understand who your customer is, first and foremost, if you're starting out, who do, who do you want your dream customer to be? Like, who would you go for a beer in the bar with? <laughs> if you've already, you know, if you've already um, been working with clients, who's been your favorite clients to work with? Which clients are you getting results from? And if you're struggling to come up with the problems and the re results thing, is simply survey them. You know, I had a, before we launched the Funnel Academy, I had a Facebook group, a free Facebook group with about 1,500 members in there. And it was a really engaged group. And the reason I built that group was so I could have a testing ground for the membership when I launched it. Yeah. And what I did was I just surveyed everybody in the group and I said, why are you in this group? What problems are you facing? What results are you trying to achieve? And what roadblocks are in the way of you achieving that result? And that basically gave me the perfect customer, all the problems, all the results, and they told me what vehicle they wanted, which was a membership site. So that gave me that, you know, it gave me, first of all, all that data that I needed, but it also gave me a group of people that were ready to go and buy my membership when I created it. So I think those those five things really, demographics, psychographics, problem, vehicle, result, and then that, I mean, that will lead everything that you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna, yeah, I want to step in here real quick. I, I love a, a few things in here, uh, you know, especially that so question. So many nuggets. Who, yeah, yeah. This, like, this they're is they're just raining nuggets right <laughs> now. Like, we need to catch them all. Like, who do you want to work with, you know? And, like, yeah. I think asking that question for some people, I think some people don't actually even ask that question, right? And that actually t takes some level of, you know, like, you got to look inside yourself and know yourself a little bit better to say, okay, I'm willing to work with these people and I'm willing to say no to this other bunch of people because we've talked about it before. Sometimes we operate from the place of need and yeah. we're like bringing on everybody and we're just adding stress to our life and our operations and it just makes everything way worse. So you gotta be honest with yourself when you ask that yourself, right? And I love that analogy. Like who would you go to the bar and drink a beer with? I absolutely love that because It is 100% true, right? I, yes. I, like, I, I, if you're not enjoy, if you're not gonna enjoy that relationship, it's probably better not to have that relationship at all. Yeah, I I love the fact that, and this might be very useful to to the audience or anybody like watching the video now or listening to it's you used. We hear Facebook groups all the time, and uh, you had an end result for for that Facebook group. A lot of people start a community or start like a, a new way of communicating with their audience without knowing what that end, end goal is. And uh, something that stuck out from that story was that you had a very specific purpose for that community. And through adding value and asking questions and creating all these conversations between you, your audience, and them, themselves you were able to literally create your dream customer and the perfect solution for that, that dream customer so i thought that was first genius uh, uh because i mean as entrepreneurs and you probably relate to this uh we want to provide the best solution that we can to the people that we want to work with and uh, you did just that so uh yeah sorry sorry be, 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 before we move on to the question yeah. um <laughs> the, this i think this point is super super important guys so if you're watching or listening Uh, make sure you write this down, right? He talked about asking his customers what was it that they wanted. <laughs> they didn't think in their heads, oh, this is what they want, and then they moved on. He asked them, guys. Yeah. I, I think it's Steve Larson. He says, let, your cost, let the people that's going to buy your product be the ones that vote, right? Like, let them vote with, with their wallets. And that's exactly what he was doing in his Facebook group. He was asking every single person that was going to turn into a customer or that was already a customer and they told him hey this is a problems and then he went and created a solution for it yeah it's it, it gavin in your journey of like finding that dream customer right like where did you find a lot of people or pushback or people that you know you thought it was your dream client you started working with them uh getting them the results that you, that you felt they were the right ones but still got friction from that and if you did um how do you deal with that Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's I think there's actually been a, a mixture of both. I think I've had I've worked with clients who I thought are going to be great and they turn out not to be great. And on the flip side, I've worked with clients who, you know, I maybe didn't want to work with in the first place and they have gone on to be 
you know, my favorite clients to work with. You know, an, ex an example of that is um, we work a lot with, with health practices, so chiropractors and, and, and the likes. And, you know, in the early days, I was, I was kind of going, is that my passion? Is that who I want to work with? Yeah. But now that's, you know, my favorite client to work with. And it's, a, it's my favorite client to work with for a variety of reasons. But the main one is because I've worked with them so much, I know what works with them. And I know I, I, it's kind of funny. You can you can operate from almost that place of authority. You know, you spoke about the need and things. You can operate from that place of authority because you can say to them, look, no, we're not doing this because I know that this system works. Yeah. Um, in terms of like dealing with clients that maybe aren't great is it's it's definitely a skill that you need to learn but i think the key is setting expectations from the absolute outset so have expectations on yourself of you know who you're willing to work with what you're willing to do what you're not willing to do uh, you know if a client's expecting you to respond to emails or phone calls over the weekend is that okay for you or is that not okay for you i don't care what your answer is but just be clear on what that is and then when you start working with that client is set the expectations from the very start like you know okay we're not going to be able to get you these results for the next couple of months because of xyz or this is the process that we're going to follow if it doesn't work then this is what we're going to do then this is what we're going to do then this is what we're going to do yeah because i find if a client a client might have completely unrealistic expectations but and you, you might know that they're unrealistic, but unless you address those expectations and unless you tell them they're realistic, then that relationship with that client's never going to work. And so the absolute key is just hammering in those expectations from the very start, even if it's a difficult conversation, even if you, you have to be willing to walk away. You have to be willing to say, you know, based on what you're trying to achieve and what we know is right, yeah. We're not going to be able to get you the result that you want. So it's best that you go to somebody else. And, you know, when, when I first started the business, something I didn't, I didn't do, I had to learn the hard way. And, um, but now, you know, when, when you have those conversations with clients, it's actually never as difficult as you think it's going to be. And they're happy that you're setting those expectations from the start and it positions you as an authority and, and builds that trust very early on. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, put ourselves all these stories in our head like oh if i if i say this to this person they're gonna react this way and it might be the total opposite right they might be super thankful and especially for people starting their businesses right early on in their journey i relate so much to that because you know like we were like that at first you know, our yeah. first clients they would say something and we we're like yes we'll do that we'll do that right we were so afraid of operating from that place of authority that you're talking about. You know, we were afraid of something like, hey, no, that's unrealistic. That's not going to work. These are the steps that should be taken. Like, and I feel like, again, for people that are listening early in their journey, you have to have that confidence in you. You are the expert, right? You're bringing all the value to these clients and they're working with you because they see that you have all this valuable information that is going to be able to help them. So, yeah, I, I agree 120%, you know, operate from a place of authority yeah. and say no sometimes and set clear expectations. Yeah, I want to I wanna shift gears a little bit. Uh, you you mentioned, I mean, you saw our, our intro uh, or you listened to the intro. Uh, <laughs> we saw you everywhere, right? And uh, and I've been looking at some of your some of your videos, some of your content, right, lately. And uh, and you talk about omnipresence, right? Is is a topic that's out there, and I really want to touch on it because when we deal with a lot of of our customers, it's like I want to be everywhere now, right? And uh, sometimes we we find that that can be really challenging, right? There's many steps that we have like to take. Uh, care beforehand. That's one of those unrealistic expectations <laughs> we we're talking about. Yeah, right. And uh, and then when they execute on something like that, they don't get the desired results, and then they get not motivated, and then they stop. Right. So I, I wanna I wanna hear a little bit of like, what's your take on omnipresence? How have you been able to achieve it? Right. And uh, and how can people take the, those first steps to to get to that point? Right. Because. Yes, we live in a world where there's so many distribution channels, so many social media outlets, right? Um, so I'm very interested to hear like your take on omnipresence and how they can take those first steps. Yeah, great question. I think it de there's a massive dependency on the industry and the type of business that somebody's in. So for example, if you are a local business, 
personal trainer, let's say, operating in a small town versus somebody that is, uh, you know, a marketing speaker. So maybe the industry that we're in, it's much easier to be omnipresent if you're the small local business, because obviously the people, you know, the people that you're trying to reach is a much smaller audience. Whereas marketing, you, you know, you're talking millions of people that you could potentially reach. So I think it, it the first thing is is to understand. You know, how big is the, the swimming pool or the lake or the ocean that you're swimming in? Because the larger the ocean, the harder it's going to be, the more, the harder you're going to have to work, really. You know, if we're talking local business, so when we work with our local business clients, the first thing that we do is we start helping them produce content. So although we build funnels and we run ads, first thing that we do is we help them build content like we spoke about earlier. And the reason for that is we can then use that content with our Facebook ads to promote it out to people in that local area. And because we're producing good, high quality, educational, entertaining content, we can actually reach the whole town, you know, based on the demographics and things, the whole town pretty cheaply. And that allows us to start building that brand awareness. And when you do that for a year, two years, three years, then you, you start to build that omnipresence already, especially if that business is maybe advertising on TV as well. They're maybe running Google ads. We've got the funnel driving people in, we've got the website, we've got a YouTube channel of anybody searching in that location. We're turning that YouTube video. I'm getting carried away. I get excited. <laughs> no, Turn that YouTube video it. into a blog. <laughs> and then people that are typing in questions on Google are, are, are finding the piece. So that idea, although it's easier in the local business, it still applies to those that are maybe operating online or have a much larger audience. It's, yeah. I think it boils down to really just, un again, understanding who's your client, who's your perfect dream client, where are they hanging out, and what type of content are they consuming on that platform that they're hanging out. So if your audience is on TikTok, you're targeting younger people, the content that you need to produce for that platform is gonna be vastly different to a business audience that's looking for educational content on YouTube for example. Yeah. So understand exactly who your customer is, understand what platforms they're on, understand the nuances of each platform and produce content that fits into that platform. So when they're on that feed, they hopefully see your content and then you can start amplifying what you're doing with ads. And you know, when somebody, for example, you say that I was every, everywhere, when somebody comes into my world, they you know visit my website, engage with me on Instagram, see my Facebook page, watch a video of mine on Facebook, you get retargeted with an ad. And I only spend you know a dollar a day on a retargeting ad for my audience just to bring people back. But it means that you do appear to be everywhere. But the, the key and the interesting thing about this is you don't have to be everywhere for everyone. You only have to be everywhere for a very small, specific group of people. and you know, your audience is, let's say, make, I'm making a totally specific group of here, 65-year-old guitar-playing women. If that is your audience, it's not going to be very hard to appear everywhere to that audience because you can create content that they're interested in and you can run ads to that audience. And if they watch your videos, engage with your ads, you can retarget them and retarget them and retarget them and retarget them. And they think that you're everywhere, but nobody else knows who you are. Yes, I, I, I cannot be more excited because I had no idea where this your answer was going to go. Uh, and it aligns so much with what we've been saying, right? Like it's like it's where your audience is. So thank you so yeah. much for, for bringing that. You illustrated perfectly. I don't know, Fonzie, if you want to add anything Yeah, else. no, I mean, I, I love it because, again, like he said, we, we call that the relative omnipresence, right? It's relative to your audience, like where they are. Uh, mm. And I, I love it, you know everywhere but not for everyone but you can be everywhere for like a few group and you mentioned you gotta know in what ocean you're swimming right and the bigger it is is more difficult to to get all these people's attention and the, the smaller it is is going to be easier for you and i think that talks about you know the the blue ocean strategy that i think it has been resonating lately with a lot of people finding that niche right like finding understanding who your dream customer is who you're talking to so I, I think it's absolutely amazing uh, how you describe it. And I love the level of excitement that started, you know, like glowing in your face <laughs> yes. as you were talking about this retargeting strategy. Um, that's, guys, if you're listening and if you're watching, if you're watching this, you can tell his passion for, you know, building all these like yeah. amazing retargeting strategies and funnels. Uh, it, it's absolutely, it, it's great to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen that you mentioned... Uh, 
local businesses. So yeah. I'm assuming that that is a big pool of the people that you work with. You know, we come from the brick and mortar industry. We come from the fitness industry, right? Uh, so what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen? Uh, it looks like the conversation always comes back to that person that you could have a, a, a beer with, right? <laughs> uh, but what are some of the challenges or, or some of those stories that local businesses put in their heads right when they're like diving into this online world because for them it looks very uh scary sometimes that's what we've seen right they're, they don't know much about it they think it's all fluff like a wild west a wild there. west kind of <laughs> deal right or is it like hey i put an ad and then i'm millionaire all of a sudden right so what are what are some of those like challenges that you see uh and how can people again take those first steps to you know what how can i make the most out of this Yeah, so uh, there, there's two main challenges that come to my head. Uh, one, one of them is that people are too reliant on old traditional ways of bringing people into the business. So one I often see is this kind of uh, net, going to networking event, events, in-person networking events, and I have nothing against that. I go to in-person networking events. You know, we communicated at Funnel Hacking Live. Yep. But these smaller networking events where... Uh, It's reliant on things like referrals, and it means you're you're you know I don't know what it's like over with you guys, but here we have these small, rubbishy network of breakfast networking events where people congregate in a room to have breakfast every second Wednesday, and you have the same meetings with the same people <laughs> and the same circles, and they rely on these ways of bringing leads into the business, and it's just so unpredictable, inconsistent not dependable and it's just not a great way to grow a business yeah. and i find that a lot of the local businesses that we work with have this kind of mentality of how they grow their business it's very word of mouth very referral based which again are great things but not a good way to to rely on growing your business yeah so that's one so i think the you know that's typically the where we will then start to talk about a funnel for for these guys and we start to talk about you know if you come online you can actually build a system that generates leads for you. And I, I say autopilot because it does, but I also don't like that term because it feels very spammy. Um, yeah. But you can start to build a system and produce content and share the expertise that you would share in these networking events online. So that's one challenge. The, the second challenge that I see people make is, is believing that their business is different to everybody else's business. And what I mean by that is they feel like people don't buy expensive expensive products or services online. You know, you, you might say something like, well, we run ads, we build funnels, and they go, yeah, but my service is five grand, it's $5,000. People aren't going to buy that from a Facebook ad. Yeah. And I have to explain to them that's not really how it works. <laughs> I'm actually putting together... And, and to illustrate this point, I was actually putting together a case study that I'm um, going to launch soon, which is one of our clients that is a local business doing stem cell therapy. They've got a, pro a service that is between four and a half and nine and a half thousand dollars. That's the price point. Yeah. And all of their revenue, which, by the way, is three point six four million, came from Facebook ads. Amazing. Now we weren't selling the five grand product through Facebook ads. What we were selling was the funnel. We were selling in-person yeah. seminars. So what we were doing, this person was running in-person seminars, then in the seminar, pitching a consultation, and then in the consultation, pitching the service. And so what we have to do is, or what I ha what I'm doing, these conversations I'm having is explaining, you're not selling the five grand product. You're not selling the accounting services. You're selling the first stage of the funnel, which comes back to, Who's your dream customer? What problems do they have? And how can you solve a problem with your offer? Yeah. So I'm listening here, you know, in, in ClickFunnels, uh, Russell Brunson terms, it'll be kind of like that customer journey, what? The, the value ladder. So these people, you're saying these people that are relying in old marketing ways, they might not be too familiar on that concept of the value ladder, right? So... Could you explain for those that are listening right now, uh, they might or they might not be as familiar with the value ladder, but exactly what it is and how can improve, you know, grow your business? Yeah, so so a value ladder is essentially 
a methodology or a, a way that you can start to think about your business that's going to allow you to convert, bring more people into your business and make more money off the back of them whilst also providing more value to that person. Sounds like a, a good deal, right? So let's let's use the example, one I think that Russell talks a lot about, which is chiropractors, which is also a, an industry that we we work a lot with chiropractors. So we're, yeah. we, we understand it pretty well. So value ladder is instead of trying to sell the $5,000 health program that you have, you know, your biggest, best program in the Facebook ad, what you do is you go back to what is this first and the smallest step that somebody can take with me or us as a business right now. So oftentimes with a chiropractor, it might be something like a free massage, or it might be sometimes it works just offering a free consultation or like the free seminar that we spoke about there. And once somebody, because let, let's first of all describe what a funnel is. A funnel really is only a way that we bring strangers into a business and turn them into customers profitably. So the value ladder is essentially just the steps of that funnel. So we bring somebody in first of all, typically with a free offer, like a free back massage. Once that person is in the business, they're in your funnel, they're in your business, but they're not yet a customer because they haven't bought anything. Yeah. But as you're massaging that person's back, you can then say, look, I found uh, a muscle knot or your spine is out of alignment or you've got a problem with your neck, whatever it might be. We've got this um, offer, by the way, it's $99. It's a 20 minute treatment. We can do it here and get it done and you'll be sorted and you'll walk out with less pain. That person, nine times out of 10 are going to go, yeah, absolutely, great. Yep. So if we think about that, just that first step of the of the value ladder, you've brought somebody in offering something for free, which you probably don't want to do. You spent money getting that person into the practice for free, but then you've just upsold them and you've offered them something for $99. Yeah. Now you might break even on that. But once that person has then had that treatment, you might want to say, you know what? I'm actually, you know, why don't you come in again next week and let's take a look at this pain again. And we can then sell them again for $99. And maybe we then get them onto a continuity program of, you know, $200 a month, whatever it might be. And eventually you can ascend people up these different products or services that you offer where the ascension is you're providing more value. You're in this case, you're yeah. helping them get out of pain and live a better life. But of course, for them to be able to get that result, you're charging more. So you're making more money. So it's it, the value ladder kind of talks about how do we bring people into the business and you know, spend money on ads to bring people into a business and maybe lose money on that first initial offer. But by offering them these more expensive products and services along the way, we can start to make money off them. Yeah, I, I, I believe that a lot of the businesses don't have that clear visual mm -hmm. on, on the customer journey that they're offering, right? Uh, you know, especially we've seen it a lot in the fitness industry and the focus tends to be on that front end, you know, kind of offer front end, Am I making money? Am I breaking even on that first step, right? Where the opportunity lies on the back end, right? Like yeah. what are, what's your relationship that you can build with that customer? What is, you know, what can I offer them after, right? So that uh, I, I find fascinating the, how you explained it and how you connected those dots for that specific business uh, because uh, we've seen it a lot of the times and, and we've explained it on, on a different industry, but truly like every business has that. So I love the clarity that you brought in uh, through that, through paid ads and how can the content or paid content can help connect those initial dots to then you're responsible for that sales process inside of your business, right? So uh, I, I love the relationship and how can we connect those dots to, to make sure that we're investing our money and time wisely. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think your explanation besides bringing clarity, right, is like it touches on two key points, which is educating, right, these businesses to understand that like, hey, it's not on the front end where you're like making the money, right? It's on the back end. And also you didn't mention it exactly like this, but it's like some of these businesses are fearful of, hey, what am I going to put my ads into and where is my immediate ROI? And yeah. I think the fact that like they need to let go of those fears. And again, this is not only for brick and mortars. This is for yeah. internet marketers as well. Because there's so many people, especially in times like now, right? With like all this quarantine, so many people moving their businesses or starting businesses online. They are trying to look for that immediate ROI. When at the end of the day, it is, it is a long-term strategy, right? So talking about long-term strategies, you know what? what would you say has been a way that you stay? Because 
I don't want to say stay motivated, but like what has keep you kept you consistent, right? With you know playing the long the long long term play because you have been doing this now for a while. Yeah, to, to be honest, for me, I think it just comes down to an absolute passion for creating. You know, if if I could get rid of every single thing that I had to do as a business owner and only focus on the creating of creation of content. That's what I would do because it's just an absolute passion for produce coming up with an idea, producing that piece of content, sharing it with people, seeing how they react to it. And I, and I think when you're doing that from a place of genuinely having fun with it, but also understanding that when you create an educational piece of content, it has the opportunity to solve somebody's problem and actually have an impact on someone's life. And when you have a, when you're when you have a topic that can literally change someone's life which we all should by the way if you have if you you know if your business gets somebody a result it can change their life whether it's you know indirectly or directly then it just becomes fun I, I, you know i just i just have a lot of fun and i think you know when i i start working with clients that don't enjoy creating content the the bit i mean it's the biggest challenge i have but I just try and get them to have fun with it because if you have fun with your content, you're always going to just enjoy the process more, which means you can do it for longer, but you're also going to have better success with it as well. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think this is why we, we do the show because we enjoy the process so much right? Yeah. and, and it, it doesn't become a, a friction process. Like it's yeah. just frictionless. It doesn't become work. It doesn't right? become work. Like, yeah, we're having these amazing conversations with people like you. Uh, so, in one of the videos that I saw, you have a very specific process, a creative process, right? And I'm not sure if it's like it's too specific, but a lot of the issues that, that we encounter when we have in these conversations always, almost always is like, oh my gosh, uh, I, I don't have enough ideas. Uh, I don't know what to say, like, especially if I'm going to be consistent for years, right? Because that's what it takes, you know, the long game. So what is your process? Because I found it very interesting and... Um, do you do this every single day? And uh, and then how do you transform that process into something tangible for your business? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think my process has changed a lot over the years and continues to change all the time when I'm trying new things, seeing what works, what doesn't work. But my kind of, my current process is I challenge myself every single day to come up with an original thought. So... Every single day, the first thing that I do before I check emails, before I do anything, is come up with some original thought. Now that might be a very short quote that I've, you know, thought of, or that might also that might turn into like a full-on blog post where I just get rolling on a, an idea. And those, that original thought process was a, a challenge that I set myself because I just thought it would be a good exercise to do. You know, to sit down and think with a pen and paper something yeah. original that you can share there share out with the world and then that kind of actually turned into you know my whole content strategy to be honest <laughs> you know i sit down every day i have this original thought and that original thought might come from a book i'm reading a conversation i had a question i had for, for example this podcast you've asked me some great questions that might spark an idea when i sit down tomorrow or monday and go that was a really good question. I want to share that answer with my audience. And um, thank you. We will be on the lookout then what, for what sure. What will happen is <laughs> say that again. We will be on the lookout for those posts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so what what then happens is I post that every single day, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever, and the pieces of content or the thoughts that go down the best. So if it gets better engagement than the rest. What I'll then do is look at how can I change, how can I turn that piece of content into something a little bit deeper? So I might then look at, can I turn that idea into a video? Can I turn that idea into an Instagram story? Can I turn that idea, send it to my designers and get them to mock up a PDF that I can then upload onto LinkedIn as a PDF? Do I want to do it as a podcast? And if I do want to do it as a podcast, should I get a guest on to come and share their idea with that? Um, thought. So that's my current process. My process is, like I say, has changed. Before, yeah. it was very SEO driven, where I was looking at what are the main keywords in my industry, what are people searching for, 
how can I create content around that? Um, and I've also had processes in the past where my content was really around networking and who do I want to get on my podcast so I can network with that person. So it changes based on you know my current goals, what my current feelings are, but that ori- that daily original thought is is the current process and it's one that I'm really enjoying. I love I love the that strategy, the first thing in the morning, you know, that original thought. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of us, we just sometimes wake up and we're like, okay, uh, we just get in the rush of the day, right? Like check email, do this, do that. And the fact that you're taking your time, you know, to say, to think, you know, what is something that has brought value to me that might bring value to, to someone else in my business, I, I think is fantastic. And coming from, you know, what you were talking about before about that you're passionate about it, that you see that putting content out there can have the you know, the effect of changing someone's life. It comes down to people's perception, you know, like some people might see content as the tedious work that they have to sit in front of the camera. Uh, but if they switch that perception and they have something like, hey, maybe this message will inspire one person, you know, to move forward today or tomorrow. Uh, I think that they're, they're going to be able to enjoy more of the process. Yeah, I, I, I took away from that that it has been evolving, right? And you mentioned, yeah. depending on like where I'm at, you know, you, you have adapted your process to that. And, and I related so much with a muscle that we have to work on, not just on the creativity side, but also on the execution side. So obviously there has to be a purpose, right? What is that purpose? You mentioned networking. You mentioned, uh, you know, I want to create something really cool for my audience, right? And uh, and a lot of people, when they're trying to connect their content to their profit, they miss that middle step, which is providing value not only for yourself, but also for your audience, right? If you're creating that, then that will, like you said before, that will turn into business or you can bring those people into your value ladder steps to then, you know, turn it into profit. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought that was really interesting how you kind of laid out, you know, your your previous processes with your with your strategies because a lot of people get so confused with that and then they 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 have paralysis by analysis because it's like, oh my God, I should be doing this or I should be doing that or I should be doing the third thing. And it's, it's okay to try one, see if it works, go ahead and try the second one because you're exercising that muscle continuously every single day and then you're going to come up ultimately with the process that you enjoy the most uh, yeah. to get to that point. So thank you for, for sharing that, Gavin. Um, I, wanna- I have a quick question. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I've, I've obviously I've noticed that you have stayed consistent with content and on our side, we've noticed that publishing content is somewhat therapeutic right like <laughs> putting yourself your ideas out there and looking back inside and saying like "Ooh, do i actually believe this stuff that i'm talking about and reflecting on all this right uh so i, I i'm just curious you know where where do you think you would be without publishing you know without taking on this publishing activity and creating Ooh. content what do you think <laughs> it would be of you and, and your business That is such a good question. Well, I, I can tell you the business would definitely not be where it is today. And I think and I could probably put all, in fact, I put all of my um, successes or whatever you want to call it down to, first and foremost, the content that I produce. Um, because although I create, you know, a ton, I've got a ton of funnels and ads and things that bring in leads and clients, it's all based on the content that I create. Um, Where would I be personally though without content? Wow, um, it's funny. You know, some, sometimes I think I would be, I, I would be definitely sadder, but I'd sometimes also be happier as well. <laughs> and it kind of, the, and the reason I say this is because as an entrepreneur and as entrepreneurs, I think we all, You know, Elon Musk says he wouldn't wish entrepreneurship on his worst enemy. <laughs> At the same time, we absolutely love what we do. Yeah. And I think being a, a content creator is the exact same thing. It's like the best thing in the world, but it's also like a crux because you're constantly thinking of ideas. You're constantly worrying about whether that piece is going to go down well, whether people will agree or disagree. Um, and so I think, I mean, ultimately, I would definitely be sadder. And I, <laughs> I, I would probably talk a lot more. To my fiance about things that I'm thinking, um, but 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. That's one I'm going to have to ponder. <laughs> there over, we go. We will be, maybe that'll be the original thought. Yes, you know? we will be expecting <laughs> that piece of content uh, soon from you, Gavin. Hey, uh, this, yes, has absolutely. Been, <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we normally leave the audience with an action point, right? Like we talked, obviously, uh, from content to organic to value ladder to ads, you know, a little bit of everything, which has been amazing, like so much value in this episode. And we loved it. And we thank you for that. Now, for the audience, what would be some action point that you say, hey, this is something that you can execute today that will help your either content or business um, and take it to the next level? Yeah, great question. So when I first started producing video, which is when I first really started producing any form of content, I was so scared of what people would think and say about me filming myself. Like what would my friends and family say? I didn't have an audience or anything back then. So that's all I was worried about. And so I filmed my first ever video in a forest because I didn't want anyone to see me. Uh, and I used the trees to protect me. And what happened when I posted that video? is nobody cared, no one saw it, it was rubbish, it was really bad and cringy. And so I set myself the challenge of getting better at video. And the way that I was gonna get better at video was doing 100 vlogs in 100 days. Every single day I'd pick up my phone, think about something, a conversation I had, a meeting I had, whatever it might be, and I'd film it and I'd share it. No editing, nothing. And then, now, I'm going back to this original thought, but it's in my, my more writing. So my, my, the way that I've always gotten better at content is by setting myself a daily challenge of producing a video or producing an original thought, writing something. So my action point for everybody that's watching or listening would be challenge yourself next week or next month or next hundred days, whatever it might be, to come up with an original idea every single day and either write it down, film it as a video and publish it. I I lo I'm about I'm like shedding tears of happiness right now because <laughs> what you just talked it, it was actually you know like literally what you just explained has been part of our journey we weren't publishing at all we had the same exact fear what are our friends gonna say about this and we actually did uh do you know who Andy Frisella is by any chance no, I don't. No, well he's uh he has like a fitness company and he created a 75 hard a challenge, right? Like go work out for 75 days in a row. And after we did that, we were like, what if we do the same thing with content? And we did exactly the same thing that you do. And the growth that we had and the yeah. impact that it had in our business was absolutely amazing. So for those watching or listening, go and do this challenge right now. Gavin, thank you so much for uh, for sharing all that with, yeah. with us and the audience. How can we find you? How can we connect with you? How can we get more of you? Yeah, um, I am at Mr. Gavin Bell, absolutely everywhere. Any social media platform, that's my handle, at Mr. Gavin Bell. Uh, and that's also my website, so mrgavinbell.com. Nice. Awesome. There you guys, plain and simple, guys. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well... Dude, this was amazing. I'm like in shock because I, know, uh, this is great. I knew this was going to be a, an amazing episode. I did not know it was going to turn out to be great. So, Gavin, I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, you for so taking much. the time. And uh, with that being said, guys, thank you so much. Please go ahead and subscribe to the Content is Profit podcast. Smash that subscribe button. And uh, we'll see you soon. Connect with us on social media at Beast Bros Co. That's right, guys. And if you found this episode impactful, please share it with everybody that you love. And we'll see you on the next one. See ya.